taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is ever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Those of you who've been around for the last few weeks will know we've been going through a series on being fully alive. And <clears throat> when I was planning this series, I thought rather than me just deliver it or me and a number of people deliver it, we do something slightly different this morning, uh, which means that uh, instead of me talking, I've asked two people to share their stories. Uh, and so we'll get to that in a second. But as way of introduction, um, I wonder where, when you grew up in the church, what you learned about how you behave. It was all about facts, that actually all you've got to do is learn more here. Was it all about faith, finding faith, generating faith? Or was it all about feelings, about what you feel, what you think? Depending where you've grown up, depending what your story is of uh, faith, of why you're here maybe, that may be different. I certainly grew up on the end of the church that was very much about facts. So what do you do then when everything starts to go wrong? What do you do when life doesn't quite go the way you anticipate? What do we do when we go through grief, we go through suffering? We have extraordinary highs where we're disappointed, where we go through all sorts of human experiences that we've gotten to navigate. Is it about just focusing again on the facts, the promises, the truth? Is it about connecting with faith? And how do we deal with all those feelings? So this, I've actually, rather than me talk, I've actually I've sort of asked a couple of other people to share a bit. And what they're going to do is going to say a little bit about their stories, so you know them, and then we're going to ask them just to share a little bit about how that's helped them. So uh, Mary, do you want to come forward? And James, do you want to come? And um, we'll ask a few questions, share a little bit, um, and then we'll go from there. Now, in, in the spirit of openness, um, I will just share a couple of things, one of which is... Um, if you're someone who's never really thought properly or felt seriously about your emotional health as a Christian, um, can I recommend a book to you? Uh, Peter Schizero, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Really, really great book. 
um, about what it means to be emotionally healthy as a Christian. Um, and uh, just as part of, uh, just to give an example, he's got a website, see Emotionally Healthy, so to give you a spirit of openness, I thought I'll just check in to see how I'm doing uh, with where I am with my life. And on the, on the, please, if you're feeling vulnerable, this is not necessarily a thing to do, to do it in isolation. But on it, you can answer 40 questions. You know one of those questionnaires you do to see how you're doing? And I went on the website, I answered the 40 questions honestly, honestly, I say, rather than as a vicar ought to. Uh, and I answered my, the questionnaire honestly. And here are a number of things that when you fill out the 40 questions, it came back to me and said, this is, this is in this, I won't tell you everything it said. I'll tell you a few things that it said. I often make quick judgments and interpretations of people's behavior. I subconsciously keep records on the love I give out. I sometimes find myself too busy to spend adequate time nourishing my spiritual life. I'm a pastor. It's my responsibility. So I wonder where you are this morning as a little bit of a challenge to where we go uh, this morning. Anyway, that's a little bit of an introduction. Um, what we're going to do is, um, what I've said as a way of introduction, many of you will know both of these, but you may not know very well. So this is Mary and James. Mary, do you want to introduce yourself, say a little bit about your life, and then uh, I'll come to some questions after that. Well, I'm Mary. Mary Godfrey, married to Roger Godfrey. I've been in this church for um, coming up to five and a half years, maybe, um, and uh, happily settled here. I used to work, I started off my career as a teacher, um, and then when I was 50, I decided I didn't want to teach anymore. I trained as a counselor and did that for a number of years, and then when I was 70, I trained as a spiritual director. So I'm a bit of a late developer. Um, and, um, but I've, I'm somebody who likes to go on learning and discovering more and more about myself and about my journey with God and other people's journeys with God. It's what my passion is, really. Can you just tell us one other thing? So tell us, so you've been taught most of your life, been a Christian from roughly what age? I became a Christian in my mid-twenties. Okay. And so, for just simplicity, why in your fifties did you suddenly start to get much more interested in the idea of emotional health and people's well, health? I, when, when you were talking earlier about being in a church which you know, was very majored on facts and, and theology, um, and I never felt satisfied, I always felt there was more. And being a fairly emotional person, I needed my emotions to be fed more. And so I, I did change churches um, just before I trained and where I found it was quite liberating um, to be able to express myself more, um, more freely somehow, just, just being set free from um, a sort of uh, way of being that wasn't actually me. And I really had to get to know myself properly. Great. Thank you. James, do you want to, to introduce yourself a little bit as well? Then, yeah. 
Yeah, so um, I'm James. I'm 27. I've been part of St. Swithin's for three months. Hey, three months. <laughs> um, and um, I, I grew up in Kent. Um, my family consists of myself, two brothers, and mum and dad. Very kind of safe, healthy, warm upbringing, actually, I'd say. A safe place to grow emotionally. And I also grew up in a church that at that time was going through charismatic renewal and experiencing amazing things in terms of what the Holy Spirit was doing. Um, and for me, what that started to highlight is that God is in the business of transforming lives physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And, and he wanted to engage with me in that way and see me grow in that way. So um, I guess that's a big part of where my emotional health started to um, become something that I wanted to explore. I think another part was I, I became a Christian in the context of gathered worship, but I, I remained a Christian because of the, the mentors and role models I had who navigated some of the deepest challenges of life different to other people who didn't have faith. And that for me was kind of a thing of, I can see what they're going through, and emotionally it's so costly, yet there's something beautiful about how they're living. And for me, I guess the final thing in terms of my emotional health that really, um, really wanted me to address it was um, when I was 18, I stepped up as a leader of a youth group that I had just graduated from, which was probably quite a foolish decision at the time. And, um, and, and the church I'd grown up in was, was at that point going through quite a difficult interregnum. So there was a fair amount of um, conflict and disease around. And so to be in a position of leadership in amongst all that was quite painful and quite isolating. And so I had to start to navigate some of my insecurities and how they were playing out in these broken relationships. Um, so, yeah, great. Great. So that kind of gives you a little bit uh, about both of them. And what I'm going to essentially ask them is just to share a little bit about what are the big challenges they face. If, if we argue that God is interested in us as whole people, that in Jesus we have someone who is both fully divine and fully human, and in which we're created in God's image, then our emotional health is as important as other parts of our health too. So Mary, do you just want to say a little bit about um, what are the challenges you have had to face or continually face about trying to live in a real world, <laughs> not a fantasy world, and and be emotionally healthy. What have you found over your life that's, that's helpful? And what are the, the well, start with the challenges. What are the different challenges you think you've faced or we face? Well, is, is anybody who's done any training in social work or counseling or anything that means that you're going to be walking alongside people and trying to help them will know that unless you know yourself and your own emotions really well, you are not going to be much help to them. And so it's really important to, and, and a lot of the training I did over five years, which, which was what it took me to do the training initially, a huge part of that was, was a third of the course was on self-development, self, -development, self um, 
awareness, um, emotional uh, intelligence, getting to know what was yours. Because if you're listening to somebody who's suffering enormous pain and emotion, you've got to know what, what belongs to you and what belongs to them, and you must not let what is your stuff get in the way. Otherwise, you're not going to hear what they say. And you've got to make it safe for them and be able to hold um, that emotion that they're expressing to make it safe for, in order for them to find a way through it, to move on and, and to, to find healing. And so it, that was, for me, extremely <clears throat> rewarding. It's extremely hard. There's nothing more humbling than really getting to know yourself and why you react in certain ways to certain things and, and which emotions take over. And so that, that was a great challenge to me. And, and it's one that was quite hard to put alongside some of the teaching I'd had in the past in churches. Um, um, but I, I found that, um, you know, Jesus was a very emotional person, <laughs> and his emotions shine through. Um, and, and so it was okay to be emotional and to be able to show my emotions. And that was, that was really, really helpful to me um, to do that, but, but very challenging and, and quite difficult and quite hard work, really. So you, you've done quite a lot of work on it because you've done all the training and you're sort of semi-professional. Can I call you that? Well, I, I, it was. I did earn my yeah. living doing your, it, your yes. kind of prof <laughs> pre But, but um, the challenges we face in being in relationships with people, you know, we're different. We rub against each other. We can all kind of... Uh, we can try and avoid each other. That makes it sometimes easier to live with people. But, but actually, that's neglecting kind of it. So... so the, the challenge of living with people who are all sorts of different, what are the, some of the things you've learned with that? Well, I mean, I got into all of this because I used to have so many people come and sit around my kitchen table and pour their hearts out, and I really did not know what to do. I mean, I, I felt, well, they've come to me, but I don't know how to help them. And that was why I first started training, because I thought, I really need some help with this. This is people seem to naturally gravitate towards telling me their problems, but what did I do with it? So it was to do with that, really. But it, it, because I've done all this training and, and everything else, it doesn't mean I'm totally sorted. <coughs> I, I would not say that for a minute that I am. And to be honest, <coughs> to be really honest, um, this last year, a couple of years, um, I was very glad to see the back of 2017. It was a really horrendous year for me in lots of ways, physically, emotionally. I, I lost a lot of people that were very close to me that I loved very much, and I wasn't well, and I was in constant awful pain. And, and what I did, I realized I shut down all my emotions in order to cope just to get through each day. And I shut them all down. And in doing that, what I found happened was that I distanced myself from God because I need to relate to God emotionally. And, and I shut that down. And at the beginning of October, a service here just sitting where Marion is now, I had a complete meltdown. And it was God just intervening and saying, you can't go on like this any longer. You need me, and I need you, and I need you as you really are. 
and I sobbed my way through. So it was the most embarrassing experience, <laughs> you know, um, and, and it was not what I would have chosen to do, but that was what God chose. And I cried all the way through, sobbed my heart out, went home and continued to sob most of the night. Um, but I needed to do that. I had been grieving without allowing myself to grieve properly. I had just not addressed my emotions. So I know from first-hand experience that to be fully alive, we have to live emotionally. Great. Thank you very much, James. Do you want to, again, coming back to the challenges that uh, you faced, if you start there, that, about living well? Yeah, so um, I referred earlier to um, how our brokenness can, can play out in our, in our relationships. And I think, uh, for me, I'm quite, a, I'm quite a sensitive person. I'm quite a self-motivated person. I'm certainly quite an introverted person. So this here, <laughs> right now, is a nightmare. Um, I will go home and curl up. <laughs> with a hot chocolate afterwards. <laughs> but it is, it is a privilege, but it just, it's costly. Um, but it, that, that does mean that um, although those things can be strengths, they can also play out in, in ways that aren't so Christ-like. Mm. Um, so so I, I can find, if, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a place where I'm vulnerable because, um, I don't know, a friendship is breaking down or there's conflict, like in the church that I grew up in, there was conflict. Actually, my default is to become very defensive, very stubborn, and to make decisions on my own um, and be very self-directed and selfish. And then if I, if, I, if I think, oh, I'm in a bad, rough place, I need to talk to someone about this, I'll then tell them my decisions and not budge on them which isn't accountability and it's not, it's not support at all. And um, I think the, the other, the other um, side to, to, to living as an emotionally healthy Christian is that we live both with the, with the experiences of joy and pain now, but also the hopes of joy and beauty and restoration of the future. And sometimes I find that because you're living with that disparity between the now and not yet, it can, be very, it can be more painful than if you didn't have all those hopes and dreams for the future, if that makes sense. So, for instance, in our, in our, in our church life, in our Christian relationships, if they're broken, that pains me more than, say, um, another friendship. Not because it necessarily matters more, but because, actually, this is, this is Jesus' bride. And... The way that the world will know that we are his disciples are by how we love one another. So I grieve when, when we don't have healthy relationships. It pains me. And, that, and, and that's one of the challenges is what I, do, what I do with the pain that I experience when I suffer. And I know that God has more. Mm, great. <clears throat> great. Most of us uh, can identify to the fact that we go through um, life with disappointments we have to wait for things, and most of us aren't very patient, um, that we lose sometimes incredibly personal things with grief, with loss, and, uh, and they're all part of the human experience. And some of what you both shared talks about some of the other things that are there. So 
if we all recognize that there are challenges about living well with each other, there's challenges about living with, the, sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that are incredibly tough. What are some of the things that you could share that you've learned over the years that, as a Christian, um, help you find comfort, help find some healing and some strength uh, and some emotional health again when we've got stretched or broken way beyond uh, where we thought we'd be? Well, um, for me, because I... Well, like all Christians, I just want to, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be more like him. And so I have to go to scriptures to find out how he reacted in certain things. Um, one of my favorite passages is in John chapter 13, um, where Jesus, and, and it's really interesting because at the beginning of the, of, the, of the chapter, it says, Jesus knew. He knew that he had come from God and that he was going back from God. This was his last night before the crucifixion, and he knew that. And then there's a little word that says, so. Mm -hmm. So what did he do? Well, he did perform one of the greatest acts of humility that has ever been recorded, because he washed his disciples' feet. That was his response to knowing who he was. And I read a quote recently that said, humility doesn't come from poor self-image or feeling that we're not good enough. It comes from self-awareness, knowing who we are, how we feel, how we react, how we need God in our lives. That was where our security is. That's where Jesus' security was, in knowing who he was. And we can have that same security. We were created by God. Um, he knit us together in our mother's wombs. We can know that we are beloved of God, that he calls us by name and we are his. And that he then says in the next chapter, in 14, he says he's gone to prepare a place for us. So we have the same assurance, really, that Jesus had. And so to follow his example, because he, he did it as an example to his disciples. He says, I've given you the example Go and do the same for one another. And that is my um, driving thing, really, in me, is to, is to, to try. I, I fail miserably at times, but to try to be more like Jesus and to serve another. And the next chapters, the chapters 14, 15, 16, are Jesus pouring his heart out. So for any church to say that there's no emotion involved, I mean, just read those chapters. Jesus is pouring out his emotion out of his love for his disciples, trying to warn them of what's things ahead of them and telling them that they're going to suffer enormous grief, but they're also going to experience tremendous joy as well. And so it's, it's full that he just pours his heart out. There aren't other passages. For me, there aren't other passages of Scripture which show Jesus at his emotional best, as it were. And, and then he goes on in chapter 17 to pray a prayer for us that we will have this unity with him, this love for him, this, that we will know we're loved by him and that we will have unity with one another and walk alongside one another. And as was said at the beginning of this service, when people in our congregation and our fellowship in our church family are suffering, the privilege we have of walking alongside them 
And that is just an enormous privilege that we have. And we can do that. And we can do that because if we, and the more emotionally healthy we work at being, then the more effective we will be in doing that. So that's where I go. Can, can you hold on for a minute? I've still got another question. <laughs> you were hoping it was finished, weren't you? <laughs> that's me done. I can finish it. Can I ask you one other thing, which is um, alongside a beautiful kind of reflection and meditation on those kind of John, John's gospel. For you personally, particularly you've been so candid about um, the last year or so, about how difficult it's been. I know you're passionate about finding stillness, finding time with God, and I know we connect to God through the truth, through the scriptures, but tell me a little bit about, if I can, just a little bit about the rhythm of life that you have found really helpful to help you come from a place where it's been devastating to a place that is, is a better place. Yes, I, I, I've discovered, you know, in discovering all this about myself that, you know, I'm not an evangelist. Um, I'm, I'm a contemplative, really, and, and I need space, and I need, I need time with God. And when that goes wrong, everything goes wrong. And um, I love, I absolutely love going on retreat, silent retreat. It's just, for me, it's just, you know, if somebody gave me the money to go on a world cruise, I would say, no, thank you. I'd <laughs> rather go on a retreat. And, and that is genuinely true of me um, because I know that that feeds my soul mm -hmm. and, and that helps me in my walk with God. And, and it's just something I... I, I can't explain it very well, it's because um, why would I want to just be with me? But it's not just me, it's me and God. And just being with him alone is, is just, um, well, it's just very precious. And, and for you, that's a place where, because of who you are and because of everything, that's a place where, um, in the stillness, God restores your soul. Is that, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but, but yeah. if you, that's yeah. where you find peace again. You, yeah. Is that right? Is that yes, it, it, it's, it's about having space. Yeah. It's about just having a, a space in which to, to grow and, um, not, and being able to shut out all... Um, because we, we get so much goes on in, in our head and, and diverts us and, you know, and, gets, and just being able to... It takes a while to get to the point where you can actually switch off from all that and, and just concentrate on being with God. So... Great. Thank you, Mary. You can pass the microphone on there. <laughs> James, do you want to say something about, with, with the challenges you've talked about, a uh, similar question to Mary is, what have you found, um, what do you find helpful or what have you found helpful for you to either find a place of restoring health or to continue to be emotionally healthy? Um, hmm. <laughs> well, I think if I, if I return again to that place of being self-directed, um, selfish, quite bitter and actually quite unforgiving um, and wanting to retreat from, from relationships, what, what God has shown me over, over time, over these last seven years, and has been so patient to me about and so persistent with me about, and so, and so kind with me about, is actually I can't do this walk on my own. And um, I, want to, I want to say something that, that some of my contemporaries don't 100% ag 
agree with, um, which is that there are things that I need that I can't give to myself. And actually, in, in, the, in the generation that I, I'm in, there is an obsession with self-care. And actually, there is something in Scripture about it. There's, if you look at when Jesus says we're called to love God and love our neighbors as we, you know, or treat, you know, treat our neighbors as we wish to be treated. So there is, there is something about actually having um, a good, strong sense of who you are, your identity, that you're loved, in, you're loved by God, and, and operating out that place so you don't do yourself into the ground. But at the same time, um, God calls us to um, lose our soul so that we may, might find it, to take up our cross and follow him. So there's a place of giving up of ourselves, of laying down ourselves before our friends, before our family, being open, honest, fully transparent, and, and seeing actually how God uses them to speak life and love, and reassurance, and strength, and affection into 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 me certainly, and that's and that's been that's been my experience. And the way that that's most played out is is when I've when I've taken steps in order to make that happen. So I have a mentor who I meet with about once every couple of months, and we talk through pretty much everything. Everything's um, on the table. I have three friends who. I'm in an accountability group with, and we use something called WhatsApp, which is like texting, um, to communicate throughout the week, and then I probably speak to one of them for a lengthy period of time once a fortnight, whether over coffee or over the phone. And actually for me as a single guy, one of the things I started doing when I first met Tim is I started re-engaging with my parents about my emotional health. Um, and that's quite a funny thing to do in your adolescence because you're trying to be independent. You're trying to find yourself apart from your parents. And, and for me, it wasn't about having their blessing. It wasn't about um, being mummy's good boy. <laughs> it was about the fact that actually they know me better than anyone. And they're not going to walk out on me. So actually, if I, if I, if I can't share healthily my emotions and where I'm up to with them. What happens when I start a relationship or my own family is that actually I've not practiced healthy interdependence before then. Um, so for me, that place of relationships, and, and, it, and it's meant with those relationships that have been really difficult, God has had to give me a miraculous level of love and understanding because, you know, there's no pretending that it's all hunky-dory. And, and I still struggle at times with that, with that um, wanting to control my destiny, wanting to make decisions on my own, and wanting to kind of package other people in a way I can understand them. But actually, when people come to me and they share, we share life together, and I can't control the parameters of how they're going to behave or what they're going to say and what of it is going to be God from helpful and what of it is not going to be from God and isn't going to be helpful. I can't control that. So I have to approach it from a place of, actually, what can I do to love this person into a better place? And what can I do to discern and understand where God is in the midst of this friendship and then let that shape me 
and where I go from there. Great. <clears throat> thank you. Do you want to give them a round of applause to thank you for um, sharing? You can take a seat. Thank you very much. Let's just have a little bit of quiet. Um, in our, I just want to say a couple of things, one of which is um, in our reading, when we have the reading from Ephesians 4, of Ephesians 4, Philippians 4, which is a reading that's been throughout my life, actually since my, um, as a, at 18, this has been a passage that uh, continues to shape my life. But it also is one of the most challenging passages in the Bible but it's also one of the most extraordinary passages in the Bible about the peace of God. About finding peace with God, with others. And um, sometimes, I don't know about you, but when you, I don't know who you go to for advice in life, you may go to someone and you, uh, you may choose who you go to advice and it's a little bit, depending who the person is, depends on whether you can receive that advice. So, for example, if you go to someone, you're struggling financially, and you go to someone who is a billionaire, and they say, well, you know, it'll work out, you will kind of not take that as well, because you think they're speaking from a place of having it all sorted, and you're broken. Similarly, if you go to someone who's been through all sorts of painful things in their life, and they give you flippant advice, say, you know, it'll work out. You know, if you've wa they've walked in that place, you're more likely to listen with them. And there are two people in Scripture in the New Testament who say, don't worry. Don't worry. It's Jesus, three times in Matthew 6, and it's Paul. Paul knew what a disordered life was. Paul knew what suffering was. Paul knew what loss was. Paul knew what pain was. And so did Jesus. And so what I'm going to ask us to do is just take a moment of quiet. I'm going to pray. And then I'd just like you to ask God to search your heart. And if you know that you're consumed with some emotions that actually uh, um, are finding, you're finding really difficult, you may be consumed with bitterness or anger or resentment. And you're just an opportunity in the quiet to actually just draw close to God. To come before him. To lay down any of the things that are not of God. And exchange our brokenness for his wholeness. Exchange our ashes for his beauty.
You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Gracious Father, I want to thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy in my life. But I also want to thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy in every person's life, both here in this room here, but also downstairs. 
If it weren't for you, none of us would be aware of our need for your transforming love and your transforming power. Father, we long to know the work of your Spirit in transforming the deeper parts, the work beneath the surface of our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would give each one of us courage to be honest. And would you give us courage to ask your Spirit to take hold of every part of our lives, to breathe life through all of us, the life that we like to hide from others, the life that's beneath the surface of the water, the kind of the, the bit of the iceberg beneath the surface, so that you can get to work in transforming our lives to be like Jesus. I pray this morning for anybody who feels distant from you, feels far from you, feels worthless to you, either because of their own fallenness or stuff that's been done to them or the circumstances of life. Father, I ask that they would know how wide how long, how high and how deep is the love of God this morning for each of us personally. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing.